0: Hi, this is K.M. Wyland, and you're listening to the 7th episode of the Wordplay Podcast. Starting tomorrow, I'm officially on vacation. My week of R&R starts early tomorrow morning with a flight out of Denver. I'll be spending the week with friends in Tennessee and doing my level best to make my workaholic brain shut down for a while. After the hectic months of preparation for Behold the Dawn's upcoming publication, I'm ready, for just about the first time in my life, to take an honest-to-goodness vacation and think about work, not at all. In fact, aside from a little copy-editing I hope to get done on the flight to Tennessee, I doubt I'll even be thinking about my writing too much. Shocked? So am I, actually. In preparation for all this intoxicating time off, I've been working at turbo speed this past week to get caught up on blog articles and various other deadlines. I was interviewed last week by Australian blogger Tabitha Bird On her blog, Books, Bubs, and Writing Blabber, we chat about writing as a gift, working through discouragement, and my book, A Man Called Outlaw. If you're interested, you can read the entire interview at tabithabird.blogspot.com slash 2009 slash 07 slash author dash interview dash Wyland. that's w-e-i-l-a-n-d, h-t-m-l. In other news, the prize drawing for the War Horse bumper sticker remains open until Tuesday, July 21st, at 6 o'clock p.m., Mountain Standard Time. To enter, answer this week's question, In what year did Pope Innocent II ban the tourneys? The huge mock battles which were the predecessors of the slightly more civilized jousting tournaments. You can submit your response using the form at the bottom of the left hand column on my blog at wordplay dash kmwyland.blogspot.com or email it directly to me at km.wyland at com. Listeners of this podcast can also get a head start on next week's contest, which features the double prize of a Behold the Dawn keychain and a wordplay pin. To enter, answer the multiple choice question, a desk dryer, a particular kind of horse was most likely to be used by whom? A. A nobleman, B. A knight, C. A lady, D. A servant. Be sure to check the blog every Winning Wednesday for new winners and new prizes. Until then, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or complaints, please feel free to contact me on my website at kmwyland.com or my blog at wordplay kmwyland.blogspot.com. That said, please enjoy this week's recording. Making cliches work for you. True story. Sometime last year I encountered a man named Howard, name changed to protect the not-so-innocent, who had written a fantasy novel that he couldn't seem to sell, and he just couldn't understand it. My work is 100% cliché-free. I hate, loathe, and despise clichés. I've scoured my work and eliminated every single cliché. This is the most original story ever written. Um, can anyone say delusional? This poor guy obviously didn't understand the pervasive power of cliches anywhere near as well as he thought he did. The sad fact is that, with thousands of cliches roaming about the vast landscape of the English language, it's pretty darn near impossible to write a story without cliches. This is a fact. It's also a fact that cliches are pretty much the kiss of death, pardon the, well, you know, in fiction. So how can authors like you and me and poor Howard go about reconciling this dichotomy it's important to understand that clichés only become clichés because they originated as powerful statements that quickly spiraled into wild popularity. In other words, being the author of a cliché is high praise. It means you have written a witty, pithy, and eye-opening statement that helps bring your point alive for other people. Penny for your thoughts, best thing since sliced bread, chip off the old block, and bowl in a china shop are all examples of great writing. The first time around, anyway. Ironically, it was their own popularity that eventually destroyed their effectiveness. People, writers included, use clichés without even thinking. They're familiar, easily understood concepts. But they're also flat. They're like a bright red balloon turned limp after the helium ran out. The brilliance is gone. And no self-respecting writer wants to use a lackluster phrase in his writing. The first, and hopefully most obvious, tactic for eradicating cliches is to simply keep your eyes open and blast them wherever you spot them crawling around in your work despite our friend howard's claims chances are extremely slim that you'll spot them all but if you can squash the ones you see you'll be way ahead of the ball game once all the obvious cliches are gone you get the fun of replacing them with your own sparkling gems getting rid of cliches forces you to dig deeper and look beyond the obvious in your prose and hopefully allow your readers to see things in a new light Instead of writing the old familiar, not in a million years, what about replacing it with the more thought-provoking, not in a river's lifetime, as I did in A Man Called Outlaw? Considering how brilliant many clichés are, it seems a shame to have to obliterate them. And, in fact, we don't always have to. Notwithstanding Howard's ranting to the opposite, there are occasions when you can not only get away with clichés, but actually make them work for you by giving them a whole new spin. In their foundational book, Self-Editing for Fiction Writers, Renny Brown and Dave King, right? In narration, there may be times when you need to use a familiar pet phrase, yes, a cliché, to summarize a complicated situation. But before going with the cliché, give some thought to the possibility of turning it, altering it slightly to render the phrasing less familiar. In a celebrated novel we edited, the writer used the phrase, they vanished into thin air, to avoid a lengthy, complicated explanation. We suggested a change to, they vanished into thick air, which fit the poetic, steamy atmosphere of the European city in which the scene was set. Long ago I was impressed enough to remember the turn cliché, but not the name of the author, unfortunately. She looked like a million bucks tax free. Dealing with the clichés in your work is often a simple, fun, and even empowering experience. Clichés need not be the dreaded bogeymen who haunt our work, but rather exciting and multifaceted challenges that we can make work for us in many ways. Somebody needed to tell Howard that, I think. Thank you for listening to the Wordplay Podcast. To read a transcript of this episode, visit me on the web at wordplay w-e-i-l-a-n-d.blogspot.com, and be sure to listen again next week.